0: Hello and welcome to the Help More People podcast, where our goal is to help spiritually conscious entrepreneurs find more clients and help more people. I am your host, Adam Nicholson, and we have a special show for you today with Lissa DeHart. Lissa has over 25 years of experience working with individuals and organizations. She is a relationship expert and narrative coach, focusing on our relationship with ourselves and with the stories that we tell ourselves. She wrote the best selling book, Story Jacking Change Your Inner Dialogue, Transform Your Life. Lissa works with groups and individuals to draw on their empowered stories, internal wisdom, and self awareness. She also creates safe spaces to explore limiting beliefs and the internal narratives that keep us from playing, that keep people from playing full out in their world. She's passionate about supporting people to craft a story worth living. Welcome, Lissa.
1: Thank you so much, Adam, for having me.
0: Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. And, you know, just to start off, can you just tell us, you know, what is storyjacking? What does that mean?
1: Well, I, so storyjacking is a term that really came out of a conversation that I was having with my husband. Um, we were talking about the work that I was doing. And I, I was like, well, it's like everybody's running on these stories. And this was several years ago, but everybody's running on these stories, these narratives that they just loop around. And what we really maybe need to do is start jacking these stories. Between the two of us, we just sort of looked at each other and I'm like, yeah, I need to write that one down. So I don't forget it. And out of that came this idea of, you know, we can be hijacked by the chemical, you know, chemical compounds that get activated in our brains and these hijacks can take us in pretty destructive directions sometimes, or they can save our life depending on the situation that we're in. And then the idea was how do them? do we use jacking to sort of elevate the story, like get curious about the story, develop awareness and create a new narrative, really rewrite the narrative, so to speak. And that's that's what the purpose of story jacking is, is to get curious, develop your awareness and give you space to rewrite the narrative.
0: Mm. And so when we are... Looking at our relationships, what are some typical stories that you see with your clients in terms of, of negative stories getting in the way? Or do you call it negative stories actually first?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's a negative narrative um, that we might have running through our mind. And so in relationships, one of the things that I've noticed. And so a lot of the work that I've done around relationships has been regarding couples who have come to me because they're not doing so well. And and there's a lot of stories around our partnerships with people where we have these fantasy ideas about what relationships should be like. Um, and often these these Ideas and beliefs around what relationships should be like come out of the relationships that we witnessed as we were growing up as children. And so, when I am doing work with, and I tend to work with individuals now more than couples because I'm not really doing couples counseling anymore. So, what I'm really helping people to do is to start to look at what is the story that you're telling yourself about the relationship? Like, what is your relationship to the relationship? And your story about the relationship is where a lot of the work comes up for people these days. And some of the things that are just very common is things like, well, if you loved me, you would insert whatever here, right? Um, I think there's another really common story is that we fall in love with people's potential. And so we've a lot of time like, you know, if, if only dot, 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 if only you loved me the way I needed to be loved, if only you could communicate more, you know, more effectively with me, if only you wanted to be in this relationship, you were really committed to it. If only you were, and there's these expectations that we maybe never speak out loud to people and then have this internal narrative running in the, you know, below the surface of the relationship and it causes disappointment. And then we act out on the story that is an unexamined story that we may have. And just to speak a little bit more about potential, I don't know anybody who gets into a relationship in hopes that the partner will try and change them, right? I don't know. You did, I mean, in your relationships that you've gotten into, did you really go in there hoping that somebody was going to change you?
0: Well, I know, you know, that that's an interesting question. Question. And I don't know if, it, if this answers it, but I know for me, one of the things that, that I do is I tend to gravitate around people who can teach me things because I want to learn. And then I have this awful pattern of learning everything they have to teach and then becoming yeah, so- bored. And then, you know, recycling that, which is not a healthy way to, to maintain long term relationships.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so there, but there's this thing that attracts you, right? So this pattern and the potential that you're seeking is, if I'm hearing you correctly, is really one of, I'm going to learn something really interesting from this person. Right. And it's, so when that wears out, Because you've learned what you needed to learn from the experience, then you're ready to move on to your next relationship, which, as you said, is sort of problematic for a long-term relationship. So if there was more transparency around what it is that you're looking for on a bigger scale and more transparency with the person of this is what I really want to learn from this then you're you're working for, you're making a more, you're not falling in love with the potential of what they have to offer you. You're instead falling in love. You're working towards falling in love with the actual person. And again, I'm, I can't speak for anybody else, but I've been married for 20 years to my husband and I learn new stuff from him all the time. And some of that stuff I never would have known that I was going to learn from him if I hadn't stuck it out in the relationship a whole lot longer. Mm-hmm. and and so I don't know going back to that idea of potential very few of us fall in love with people hoping that we'll be changed what we're often looking for and in fact I would say we we desire most is to be appreciated acknowledged we want to feel safe we want to feel that we're of value and importance to another human being and Yet we go into relationships and we attempt to try and change somebody to morph them into something that we want, even though that's not what we're looking for in relationships. And so I think part of the narrative also is to get curious about what is it that I'm really choosing?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And how does that benefit not just me, but this idea of the relationship?
0: Hmm. So, Lissa, as you said, you know, a lot of us have the models that we build our relationships from or what we grew up with, whether that, you know, our parents, those around us. And then I feel like, the you know, another big narrative is what we see in movies and TV. Mm-hmm. How do you get... how how do you get us out of that rut to see beyond, to see the stories beyond those?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting question. We're so, we're so immersed in a culture that has a lot of, whether it's idealization of what relationships are supposed to look like, or if it is, we grew up in a family where the our family demonstrated really poor relationship skills or we grew up in a family I've even had clients where they grew up in a family that did really well but the parents never argued and so they never really knew what to look for like what the red flags were because those were never demonstrated so they didn't even have a sense of that right and then they get into a relationship and there are just red flags everywhere just like popping up all over the place. And um, so how do you start to get curious about that? That's a really interesting question. I mean, I think the first place to start is to start to notice what are the stories that you're telling yourself based on the amalgamation of all these different places that you've created this idealized version of what a relationship is supposed to look like. And I, and I always have been curious, you know, fairy tales are the place where most of us start, right? Whether male or female, it just doesn't matter. You know, we start off watching something like a Disney movie, right? And it always has a happily ever after. And the happily ever after really is the, like, right where the real relationship begins, <laughs> So people are sort of left with, I got to the happily ever after. Now what? Right. And, um, and so starting to get curious, like, what are these stories that you're aligning yourself with? And are those stories realistic And getting curious? Like, I don't know. One of the things I often ask clients to think about are who are your models for a healthy relationship? Mm -hmm. Ask those people questions around what makes a healthy relationship. I one of the things my husband and I did very early in our relationship when we had, you know decided we were going to uh, carry it on further is we started asking people who'd been married for you know 20 30 years or more what were what were the sort of the secret ingredients that helped their their relationships last And we just started doing like we were just like anywhere we went, like we saw how long have you guys been married? Oh, 20 plus years. What what is the secret to your success? And we started getting a new idea around what actually constitutes the qualities of a long term relationship. And that was one way that we started to really debunk the, the mythology of the fairy tale. Mhm. I think there's also I think it, I think this may be one of the the hardest things to do and yet maybe one of the most important um skill sets to develop is one of not personalizing everything that is said to you. So in a relationship people say things for all a myriad of reasons. They like this. They don't like that, whatever. Right. And when somebody is having a bad day or when somebody is having a, an opinion or something shows up in the relationship and you're like, who are you? And how did I end up in this relationship with you? Instead of personalizing it, just getting really curious and asking more questions. Like, what does that even mean to you? where are you getting this from? How, how does that impact this experience that we're having between the two of us? How do you want to move forward from this? So that what we're doing is we're getting really radically curious and not radically defensive.
0: Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about, let's say, you know, you've, we've worked to, to find stories that resonate with us. Um, that are more in alignment with with what we want. And we start to, how do we integrate that story, that new narrative into our life? And what should we expect to see?
1: Well, what people expect to see is going to be completely dependent upon the person. So I I can't tell you what you will expect to see because I don't know. Um, But... What would support you into incorporating a new narrative is going to be attention to it. It's really this idea that what we put our attention on, ultimately, are we all ultimately make changes around. We manifest that. So I can speak for myself when I. So, just a kind of a quick background. I grew up in a family that had divorce and quite a bit of relationship dysfunction. Um, you know, I watched my parents have different marriages. They weren't happy. There was lots of fighting, lots of arguing. And I grew up with an idea like, I did not want to do that. Like, I was really clear, I did not want to have relationships like my parents were having. And so, as you know, fast forward, I'm dating and And there's a part of me that's really afraid of being in a relationship at this point, you know, because what if I end up accidentally getting in exactly the same kind of relationship that my parents had? And I was absolutely terrified that that would happen. So I tended to choose people who were pretty unavailable. That was my pattern. It was only when I started to get really curious that this wasn't about them, like, The whether they were in love with their last girlfriend, or they really need to focus on school, or they um, had to focus on their career, or they just weren't that into me. Whatever the you know whatever the um, the the disconnect was, right? That I was attracted to wasn't really the problem. The issue was why was I choosing this, and that I was a choice, and making that that conscious recognition that I was a choice and I could choose something differently required me then to also start to look at the story of not really wanting to have a relationship myself because the idea of being vulnerable or the idea of being in a terrible relationship was guiding all of the decisions that I was making. And it was only by getting curious about that and then doing the work around that. Like I did a lot of work around these stories and calling myself out when I noticed myself being attracted to somebody and that the red flags were already waving and going, you know, what I'm going to slow down, I'm going to like, I can end this relationship. I can stop this right now. And I can then figure out what I'm learning from this. And how does that fit with what I say I want? I also got really bold Um, when I got out of graduate school, I had done I had been in um, an empowerment group with (laughs) ironically, it was me and like six um, men from college that were in this empowerment group. So I got to um, get to know men in a really different sort of way as a result of this experience. And I took what I learned from that. And I got really bold about asking questions and being authentically who I was and really speaking to what it was that I wanted when I talked to new people. And, um, and I, there were a lot of people who ran away from me going, you know, you're kind of scary. Cause you're like, so boldly, like telling me, like, this is who you are. And that was, um, it was, it was overwhelming, I think, to some people. But on the other hand, I was able to make a pretty important transition in my own narrative, which was instead of co- like really contorting myself into a pretzel so that you would like me, I was able to transform into this sense of myself being worthy and did I like you. And that transformation from do you like me to do I like you made all the difference in how I was choosing people to be in relationship with.
0: Mm. That's really profound. And I think something that resonates certainly with me and I'm sure with many of the listeners as well. One question uh, about your process, Lissa is, you know, how do you get to the point where you're able to truly see yourself and listen to yourself so that you can make that change?
1: I think, you know, we talk about loving ourselves and liking ourselves and we're surrounded by quotes of empowerment and, and those are wonderful. I, I had post-it notes up in my bathroom, like I am, you know, all the, inspirational kinds of things that I needed to hear. Like you are smart enough. You are enough. You are capable. You are whatever. Right. I had these things up around my bathroom mirror so that I knew at least two or three times a day, I'd be looking at them and that helped. And yet it was, it was honestly working with someone and working, doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of journaling, doing a lot of holding myself accountable and, and really holding myself accountable to the values and the and the outcome that I said was important to me. And and finding a way for me, and, and for different people, it's going to be different, but for me, integrating that into my sense of self. And bringing it into a body awareness was so important. And, um, I mean, I, I worked with, I had, you know, there was a a person in the empowerment group who ran the empowerment group. I, I did therapy for many years. I, I did my own therapy as well as being a therapist. And I also, you know, I had my, I have my own coach. I, um, I, I love it. Somebody once said, you know, I have a life coach because I'm alive. <laughs> and it's like you create this relationship with somebody who can help you to hold yourself accountable to your best self and I think that's really helpful and whether you do that through a friend or you do that yourself or you do that with somebody else um None of us do this work alone, and very few of us can do it in a vacuum. So I surrounded myself with people who would support my growth.
0: Hmm. So important. So important. I know for me, I've had to do the same thing as an entrepreneur working alone at home. It is critical to have that support system, however you can find it whether through a life coach or a consultant and also, you know, your trusted friends and family. So, Lissa, let's say you're working with someone who has decades of, of stories in their back pocket, relationship stories, failed, failed relationships, unhappy uh, unions. How can they, what advice would you give? What's simple steps could you tell them to take to start to begin to form a new narrative in their life?
1: Well, um, this is a bit of a two-part uh, answer. So the first part is, I really believe, and I write about it in my book, Storyjacking, that coming up with your essence, like really understanding what your true essence is, Helps to realign you to who you really are at your core self, your soul self, right? And having a sense of that is is so important because, and it is based on what's important to you as a human being. It's about it's based on your value system. It's based on how you show want to show up in the world. Um, so for instance, a big part of my essence statement is deep belly laughs, right? So this is a big part of who I am. I am part of the tribe of funny. I really look for that. And in my partnership with my husband, I mean, we laugh about the fact that he cracks me up every single day and, and we're both a part of the tribe of funny and we just really bonded over that sense of humor, but that's a big part of who I am. So if I'm in the middle of feeling freaked out about something or anxious or, insecure, I can hearken back to my essence, which is deep belly laughs. And there's more to my essence statement than that, but I can hearken back to my core self and I can realign and rebalance. And I think that's really a first step. And I think it's a crucial first step because what it does is it can realign and balance you when you're feeling out of balance and out of alignment. Um, I think the and there's a second part to this. And in, in the work that I've done with people, it is so easy to say words and again not integrate these words into new neural networks or into your body so that you have a somatic understanding of it. And a lot of the work that I'm doing with my individual clients these days is based on the Prince I got trained in EMDR a long time ago, which is a therapeutic process for trauma and I don't do that any longer. I'm not working with EMDR any longer but I've been working with using a process very similar a tapping process with people for moving forward through through whatever. And so for instance I use it with business people like maybe they're afraid of standing in front of people or they're uh, we do it around relationships like the the pattern that keeps coming up. And what we do is we create a future vision of where you really are working towards, like where you want to be in your life. And then we come up with the negative narrative that's attached to that, like I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, it'll never happen. Which, And then we're looking at the positive narrative that you really want to be working towards. And then we, we do some check-ins around somatically where you're, what you're feeling in your body and where you're feeling it. And then we allow this process of tapping to happen where we create this bilateral stimulation. And I work with most of my clients are all virtual. So they're tapping themselves and we're seeing each other on the screen. And we stop along the way and just check in. And what we notice is that they're able to not only rewrite the narrative pretty quickly, but they're able to notice all the different places where their their brain has gotten stuck on some subconscious stories that they weren't necessarily even realizing were showing up that was causing the problem that's manifesting itself. So for instance, I was just working with a client who is, you know, wanting to show up in front of the room and speak in front of groups of people. And as we've been doing the the tapping process, what's come up is that, you know, there's all these stories from childhood where feeling bullied, feeling not safe to speak up, feeling like, she'll get in trouble, all those sorts of narratives that get activated just by thinking about stepping into the front of the room. And so working through this process, she's able to then get go from like an intensity around this idea of being in the front of the room of around a nine when we started, she's now at like a a zero on intensity around it and starting to do the work around it so that she can step into her life in a new way. And that somatic piece where she's incorporating this experience as a learned experience into her body is also changing the neural networks in her mind. And so she's not the same person that started off in the coaching. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think this is so important because, you know, the first part, where you talk about, you know, it's more than just giving affirmations or vocalizing that and it it has to go much deeper, but also this, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I heard was this, you know, we have to do this additional work. We have to do the work to shift these old patterns. I know for... For my clients, you know, I do, I, I help them with their lead generation and their marketing. But, you know, with that, I do the biofield tuning because I find that, you know, people are not able to, a lot of, a lot of clients are just not able to answer truthfully who they really want to be, who they really want to work with until we work to shift this. And I think that's such an important piece of it.
1: Yeah. the, The work doesn't get done on its own. Um you have to show up and be willing to be courageous and walk through the discomfort, right? To get to the other side. Yeah.
0: Well, Lisa, on that note, I want to say thank you for this. This was incredible and I know very helpful for the listeners. Absolutely. None of my questions were related to me personally. <laughs> <laughs> Do you uh, <laughs> No, I've been I've been back here taking copious notes uh having you solve solve all of my relationship problems. But everyone this was just part 1. Part 2 we're going to talk about storyjacking your business, but before we do, I want Lisa to have a chance to Uh, talk about her services, her books, where you can find more information to work with her because the work she's doing is incredible and I know can be helpful. So, Lisa, take it away.
1: Well, thank you so much, Adelman. Thank you so much for having me and um, letting me share some of this with your audience. I really appreciate it. My book is Story Jacking, Change Your Inner Dialogue, Transform Your Life. It's available at Amazon at libraries, you can always ask for your library to order a copy or you can get it from your local bookstore, you know, go local. Um, and I, um, I have my website, listen to heart.com. And I work with people, um, individually. And I also have, uh, a, a dating program that we're unveiling in November coming up, um, which is craft your love story around dating so that what people start to do is really get clarity around who they are and who they're trying, who they're choosing and, and why that's a good match for them. So you can head over to my website and you can also sign up at my website if you're interested in getting my blog delivered to your inbox.
0: Excellent. And just for clarification, that is L Y S S A D E H A R T dot com. So, everyone, go take a look, sign up, and stay tuned for part two. Thank you, Lissa.
1: Thank you, Adam.